You're listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Hi, everybody. We are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy... Bello, Bello. Burns, and we're the co-hosts of Future Theater Live, brought to you on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Solbury Village. Our producer, of course, is the great Jackal. Angel, say hello, Angel. Nanu, Nanu. Hello. Nanu, Nanu. And our guest tonight is the wonderful radio host, uh, who go, uh, Bateman. Steve Warner, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things that um, Steve's been doing on his radio show, and uh, it'll be very fascinating. So, Nancy Burns, happy belated Mother's Day. Oh, 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 I was muted. I was still muted. I was talking about Steve, and I was muted. Okay, well, now you can well, talk about, well, happy Mother's Day. And happy there was Mother's Day to you. Uh, my Mother's Day was fabulous, and in was fact... It? Um, just to top it all off, at the very end of the day, I, it, Steve has been a very elusive character. He's elusive on every level. And I'm very proud to say that I was able to worm a photo out of him. So right there up on the website, futuretheater.com, you'll see finally see what Steve looks like. Because I've heard him, but never could figure out what he looks like. And he's really cute. No offense to you, Angel. You're cute, too. But it, he's a hipster type of guy. And I'm kind hey. of glad for that. Just like you are. You know, but here's the thing. I'm, I don't know if I'm a hipster exactly. Yeah, yeah, you got hipster, yeah. hicks, hipster. What do you call the whiskers? <laughs> whiskers. And here's the thing. That I do. Um, the, my Mother's Day was so perfect that I was able to get the elusive Steve Warner to agree to come on tonight because he's busy. He 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 really uh, can only be on for an hour. To give you an idea, but his day job seems to involve WABC radio. So I say in hushed tones. Um, you know, his his elusive show is a must. You just have to hear it. It's called Dark City. It's on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And I swear to you, it's really hard to find because it switches places with uh, Brian Alvarez's show a lot. It seems like every time I think I'm going to listen to Steve, I end up with Brian and vice versa. So... I think there might be a problem, actually. Maybe you just got your, the time slots confused. No, I, you know, dare I say it, the, the, the magnificent Keith might have made a mistake on his website, Dark Matter website, uh, when, under the hosts and stuff. I think there might be some mis- mm, missing... Blasphemous notes. talk. I, don't I know, know I know, I know. But, don't buy but, it. I don't buy it. Sorry, Keith. But, I just don't buy it. You don't make mistakes. But man. without Steve's help, thank you very much, we are plowing ahead with our... New production and Keith's help. Keith's help without Keith's help. Without, no, but you said without Steve's help. Ah, yeah, yeah not without, Steve. without Steve's help, help as yep, well. Yep, yep. Yes, yeah, Steve's not helping either. Steve doesn't know anything about it. Nobody's but, helping you. <laughs> no, but that's good <laughs> no. because everybody thinks I'm an idiot for 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 trying this. Because who? Yeah, are, and, yeah. Oh wait. Yeah, no. see, Angel in particular, you can't get over the three to five in the morning time slot. It it freaks nope. you out. It Completely. freaks you out. Yep. You know, 
But just think about what a great life you'd have if that were an open slot for you. You know, if I was making buco money and I had you know you know piles of cash, yeah, that'd not be great. even that, not even that. Let's say you didn't need any money, you weren't you know you just didn't <laughs> yeah. need any, and you could. So sleep we're living in fantasy land, right? Or you could sleep as late as you want. But what if our little radio show is a success? Because anything that's on five days a week has a good has a good fighting chance to, just to start with. Mm, it does. Uh, People yeah. like to tune into something they can depend on, and this is going to be a haven. And it's without Art Bell's blessing too, because I did write to him on Facebook, and I, I maybe he's be unfriended me. I hope not, but he didn't write back. So we're, probably we're after off tonight for, he will. Uh, word from the and I are plowing along. On. Word from our overlord Keith Rowland. Uh, Brian, uh, ready? Brian is Friday night, and Steve is Saturday night. And Steve hasn't had a new program in a while. So, well, that's part of it. But I think there's something. There is one of the Thank links. You, you know what? Yeah, Keith, but not so fast. One of the links that I consistently try to follow drops me off at Brian Alvarez instead of Dark City. That's all I'm saying. So, in order to really find Dark City, I've taken to googling it and going directly. Just, just saying. And if you I'll, Google, and if you Google Dark City, you may get that fabulous movie, in which Jennifer Connelly actually sings, and I think it's a um, who's um, Neil Sedaka's song, and that is a thousand eyes. But instead ah, of singing it yeah. as a rock and roll song, she sings it as a forlorn ballad. One of the great cult moments. Yeah, of and movies. she basically um, she movie, basically too. got that technique. Yes. She got that technique from Diamanda Galas, right. uh, who is an, a performance artist. And in Bella Haven, we will go off on tangents like this. Lasha and I are putting together such a show. And the purpose of it is to talk about the Art Bell show, whatever Art Bell show just has aired, has has, has aired coming in July. Aired, that's uh, right. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, we're going to then be on the air for two hours live afterward taking calls and talking about it. I think it's it's like the programmer's encyclopedia. I keep saying this. We need this show. And if it doesn't suit the Dark Matter Network, it's going to suit the PSN-radio network. Correct? Yeah, but see, I don't want to upset the Apple cart either on Dark Matter because you know, we're, we're a family. Oh, the world. We, we are a family, so we have I to discuss this. see this. Ooh, we have to discuss ooh. this further, see what you know the Overlord says. No, no. It no, has the to Overlord be. already. No, the Overlord already said. He said it was okay. He said it, it was okay. okay. Then yes. it's okay with me. Huh? Then it's okay with me. Good. See, he definitely said it was okay. <laughs> Definitely, and I wouldn't have pushed it on you if he hadn't said it was okay. Because I know you're not going to do it for me. <laughs> you see, well, not even if. Here's the thing: what angel? If what if this makes that. money and I cut you in to really hard, cold cash? Then, then, then was, we're talking. Yeah. So anyway, so it's just something that I very much want to do. I want to have some place to go and talk about the the show that has just happened, because on June twentieth, you know, you and I and Bill are going to be introducing the Art Bell show. Oh, yeah. July 20th. Yeah, and yep. then I'm yep, going yep. to be listening Not to the June Art 20th. No, July, July 20th. I keep saying that, don't I? I keep... Yes, uh, you do. Yeah, well, you know what? I think this. I think time's going to speed up to the point where by the time you hit June 20th, it's going to be like, whoa, it's almost July 20th. <laughs> you see, this is a lot to do. It's a lot to do because, um, you know, I told Keith, well, I did, that my, my ulterior motive is to sell hyperzines, and mm-hmm. I really do mean that. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And people yep. will buy my hyperzines. It's true. 
it's you know, it's true. crazy because on the 20th is, of course, a Monday. So it'll okay. be Future Theater. You officially are going to be the first show mm-hmm. to initiate the welcoming to the network of Art Bell's new show. We have to practice that. Oh, let the trumpets begin. <laughs> We're going to trip over it. but we And guess what? I will wreck no matter Guaranteed. how much we've practiced. <laughs> <laughs> and Keith will cut us off. That's the no, thing. No, I'm, I'm going to do the... Um, it the doesn't start, matter. So the, starters, uh, the starters bugle mm-hmm. for the racetrack. And now! That was my father's national anthem, by the way. Well, so, you know, both both Steve... They'd play it. He'd stand up, even if it was on television and he wasn't at the track. Let me tell you why tonight's show is going to be epic. Both Steve and Bill have turned to me and said, what are we talking about? And yet, Bill and Steve... Uh, could talk literally for 24 hours straight about serial murderers, etc. And so, yeah, but that's course, fun to talk about. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, and and you're talking to, two, for example, uh, one of the shows I was recently listening to as I was doing my sh- prep was the show that Steve did with Hofstetter. Okay, let me find it. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Bill does know. We nope. have his book. It's called uh, Barry and the Boys. Barry, oh, Barry and Oh, Barry and the Boys, right. Barry and the Boys. Barry Seal. Uh, well, it's part of it. Um, but Hopstetter is... Um, Hopstetter, okay. Hopstetter, yeah. He's a fascinating character, and Steve interviewed him, and, you know, we're going to have to have him on. And this I This is think, about the Dixie Mafia, right? Yeah, well, it's about, it's about Barry Seal, who I think the, was the biggest drug dealer in the country. When we have him on, mm-hmm. I will ha- get Billy Sinclair on. Because Billy Sinclair was the guy who, from behind bars, broke the back of the Dixie Mafia when his wife – remember, he was on death row, and then he argued himself off death row. Well, let's save this for Steve because he would really – he would really, um, you know. I'm going to get Billy Sinclair on. Yeah, have, have to add this. So, so it's I mean, his book, Capital Punishment, actually made money this, uh, this oh, past really? royalty period. We yeah, can 30 eat. bucks, we can, but we it can made eat. money. We, we can, can eat. buy shoes. Yay. Yay. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so things are cooking. Um, uh, Belgab, the uh, forum, is basically where you have to go if you want to be in the know about what's happening with Art Bell because that's where he posts, literally posts. He posts on Facebook and on Belgab forum. And, you know, Future Theater is not, is not going to turn into an Art Bell fan show right now, but it kind of is. Because not yet. <laughs> it, but that's what Bella Haven's all about. And if Art Bell uh, stops or disappoints, or hates us, um, you know, it Possibility doesn't really, of all it, the above, right? Yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> matter because we'll still listen if there's a show. And if not, we can haunt other people. We could follow, we could follow um, Skywatchers and, and, and do a thing on the show. We could follow anybody. We well, actually, you know, if our yeah. bell hates me, it wouldn't be the first time uh, an idol of mine I know. hates me. You want to talk about that? Yeah, no, who, who else hates you? I'm so sad about that. Can you talk about it? Sad. Phil Hendry just doesn't like me for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what why I did. Why would Phil Hendry hate you? What did you do? I have no idea. It's the craziest thing, but I used to have him on Facebook as a friend, and I've chatted with him once or twice in the past. Well, who was your liaison? Because your liaison strikes me as the person who might have turned him against you. I have no idea. But you I had a liaison between Phil and yourself. Somebody put you in touch with Phil, I think. No, 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 no. I, no, no, no. I reached out to Phil a long time ago when I first got on Facebook. Um, I, you know, I looked him up because he's one of my. He's literally like my second favorite radio personality ever, behind Art Bell. And um, it's funny. Also, some, George. 
And then George, George Rodriguez, of course. Rodriguez, right. Yep, and Neil Rogers. Those are like the big four. Like, Neil if I had Rogers, to do like, I did not know. I missed him. If I had to do like a, a Mount Rushmore of like radio personalities, that's my four. Yeah, yeah. Right there. Yeah. And for some reason, he blocked me on Facebook. I have no idea why. I'm, I'm depressed. Wasn't there someone? Wasn't there someone who was participating in this whole event with you? And that person, I think, was also aware that this happened. And I thought, you know, anyway, that's no, 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 um, no, no. One of my executive producers on the network, uh, Heavenly Angel, shout outs to her. Oh, uh, she actually approached Phil Hender to see if he would be on the show on one of my shows, and oh. he initially said yes that he would love to do it and to give him some dates and stuff. And then she sent him. She sent him dates, and then he never replied. He's never replied back since. I think he went to the links, and he was like, "Oh, that guy, yeah, don't." It's too bad like because <laughs> you know because you've made a you've made a fan out of me because by you know it had to be explained to me that Phil Hendry was creating the voices. Sometimes um, there would only be one person getting fooled, and that would be, you know, in other words, well, everybody who would call in on the was joke the finally, fool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, see, I thought his whole thing was that he made up every single voice, which was stupid, right? It would be no, stupid if there was nobody him, being pranked. Right. It was just him and uh, whoever the guest on the show was, and then the callers would be like out of the loop. See, yeah. the, the the brilliant thing about Phil Hendry is uh, this is the way kind of uh, – the way AM radio works, uh, especially when you when you do radio at the time slot he was doing it. He was getting a lot of the people that were just driving what home. What time slot was it? It was mid-afternoon, uh, like after uh, people got out of work at 7, okay. 8, 9 o'clock around there. And at that time slot, normally when people are just driving home from work, they're just randomly listening to the radio. They're not really like the average uh, fanatic who always listens to the show on a daily basis and is just glued to the radio. So he would get the people who were just average listeners, you know, just would tune into the show, not know who he was, and just casually start listening. And next thing you know, they're they're completely dumbfounded by what they're hearing, and they have to call in and just yeah. try to, like, you know, take on. But they are real. Is. That's the, that's right. The joke that's is. the thing. That's the joke yeah. is. There's so many so many people that listen in who were not on in on the joke that they would you know get calls all the time. And you have to be very talented to pull that off. And and oh, also the way he does it is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. You have to also be quick on your feet, so forth and so on. And and um, we, you were playing some for me the other night, one a month, a couple months ago, and we were absolutely on the floor. It mm-hmm. was you know must have been hilarious hearing this stuff going on live. See, you know. what he does is he does an actual stage show on radio. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. It's, it's yeah. a play. It's not just a radio talk show. And uh, what's so brilliant about him is that he does everything on the fly. A lot of it is improvised. It's not you know scripted or written down. Like He'll come out with like notes and stuff that, of points he wants to talk over or, or things he wants to get to with the character. Uh, but a lot of it is just right off the top, improvised. And to be able to yeah, do that on a day-in, day-out you. basis. I don't know if he does. That's the thing. He, he won't yeah. reply to me. It's, but I, I don't want to take it any further and like you know try to address yeah. it again personally or email him. Because then he'll kind of become like yeah, stalkerish. That's how I feel too. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, see, as I was, when I was setting this up in my mind, this whole Bella Haven thing, um, I, at first I wanted to call it. Besides, I always got Art Bell and George Rodriguez. Thank you very well, much. That's what I'm saying. And as I, <laughs> as I was planning this, I kept thinking, well, I should ask so-and-so's permission. Well, I don't want to do that um, because if they say no, then that's stupid. Why, you know, what kind of company can it be or business can it be if you have to ask somebody's permission? That's really just dumb. So that's my that's my reasoning behind it. So if it's solid, if you know, if I want to talk to – the other people who have been listening to Art Bell right after he's finished talking, I know how to turn the radio on and do that now. And that's kind of – it's a private thing. It's almost like – as I said, it's a 
something that needs to be. Uh, radio is going to change a lot, and this is one of the ways I think it's going to change. And I oh, radio is, change, is changing constantly. Uh, radio is yeah. look in the next, I would say, ten years. AM, FM radio is going to be obsolete to the point that one of those are going to go out, out to the wayside. I mean, probably AM radio is one that's going to die out. Uh, here in Florida, there's even uh, one of the, the big sports networks down here, uh, 790 The Ticket. Uh, yeah. They they opened up an FM station just because the sound sucks on AM, and they're looking to completely leave AM radio. And yeah. they're the biggest station in the in the market. So that tells you that it's a dying medium. And when right. they're well, jumping but, but, well, well, you know what's going to be the yeah. key? No, you know what's going to be the key, Angel? And, and you're in this business, so you know um, how many new cars are coming equipped. Now, look at this over a five-year period. How many new cars are coming equipped with Wi-Fi? Oh, every single one of them. That's All right. The ones, yeah. So if a car comes equipped mm-hmm. with Wi-Fi and you don't need to have your iPhone plugged in and your yeah, – I mean, just imagine – Internet radio is going to take over from both about, FM about oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and about, AM because but, you're going to have Wi-Fi. But look at all the. But once you have that, I mean, here's here's my prediction. Once you have that, and once you have advertisements going on internet radio, which you already have, and they're going to be cheaper than um, uh, equipment overhead heavy AM and FM. What you're then going to have is a revenue stream for internet radio that's going to be very, very strong and, and productive. And you're going to have this multiplicity of channels. So with a car that has built-in Wi-Fi, you're going to hear internet radio on drive time, right, 7 to 9 in the morning, drive home, 5 to 7 in the evening. I mean, this is what you're going to see. And so you're going to gradually see AM and FM radio shrinking because broadband will take over from the traditional, um, uh, from the traditional AM and FM radios. Yeah, completely. I okay. give you. I make. I will say that in five years, not ten years, uh, people will be talking. About I was being the conservative. I know, but I think. Yeah. You, but guys, in, in two months, years, in, seriously, in two months, a very large, a very large object is going to come hurtling into onto the airwaves, and that's Art Bell. And no matter love him or hate him. It's going to make an impact because he's been wooed by everybody else on the planet. They could that's have right. him. E- yeah. Exactly. And that's the kind of – I mean the, the Art Bell show could well be the killer app for internet oh, it will radio. Be. It will be. Not only that, when Keith was able to finally talk to his critics on Belgab uh, and explain a couple of things, one of the things that came out of it – Masterfully, by the way. Yeah, it was, yeah, very it was, well it was done, quite, quite fun Epic. to listen to. Very well done. But one of the things that came out of it – and that blew my mind, was that Keith had been behind the growth of three humongous web entities. And I think I've talked about this before, but they are uh, the Enterprise Mission, uh, Whitley Strieber's Unknown Country, and Linda Moulton Howell's Earth Files. Earth Files. Keith thought up a lot of these names. He was behind setting up the website, so forth and so on. So, but the big thing is, when these things became popular, he was able to man the servers. And, that, and as everybody's beginning to realize, uh, that's really important. I, I, I doubt we'll ever get so big that we would break a server um, because I don't see that happening. I don't see really? people. Just yeah. you, just you just wait. Just to art. Yeah. Until. Yeah. Art notwithstanding. Well, also, if, if you want to be paranoid. Until, par- next, let, until yeah. next year, 
when Jim Sanders is on this show oh. breaking the news you know and what? you have yeah. that video that video on the, the awful, website, uh, the awful that unnamed, server will crash. Yeah. The awful unnamed guy that we're not going to mention has already been using Jim Sanders' name to kind of sort of promote himself and stuff, which is oh, fascinating. Yeah? That's uh-huh. going to stop soon enough. Well, but anyway, yeah. Why? Why do you say that? Because, first of all, when this book comes out, you will see the world change. I mean, I, I am telling you. There is something going on. Well, tell so, folks what you're talking about. A well, here's what I'm talking about. A little, okay. All all I'll say is this, because I prom, because Jim and I have an agreement as we write this book not to really blow this thing out on the air yet. But <clears throat> you have a non-disclosure. Inside, well, it's a kind of handshake non-disclosure. But deep inside, somewhere deep inside the Department of Justice, there is. And I'm telling you, this is absolutely true. This is not conspiracy crazy bill saying this. Deep inside the United States Department of Justice, there is a a movement underway. I'll call it a plot underway to derail completely Hillary Clinton's candidacy next year. They are about to reveal a bombshell. I mean, I am telling you. But wait, guys, I thought you were talking about... I totally believe it. I believe that, yep. Don't even mention that. I am telling you, Andy Breitbart would come back from the dead to have this as a headline. Well, I'm sorry I asked. Well, that's how big this is going to be. Okay, okay. Well, it is I'm sorry a, I asked. I don't want to put you is, or Steve. You know, every, me. I'm just saying this is this is one of those. This is now people will at first look at this and say, oh, so what? These guys are crazy. As usual, it's conspiracy bill, crazy Jim, you know, doing their stuff. Nobody but, thinks Jim Sanders is crazy. And he never oh, did a UFO show except yours. But he didn't put on sunglasses and act out. I didn't act out. The whole reason for the sunglasses was that I'd had, you remember that I had laser surgery from this guy in California. And then John Walls, when we were doing that UFO files, um, UFOs over, you know, like the Russian Roswell, that UFO files, I had, it was on the dock and I had to sit in the sun and, and they said, take the glasses off. And I said, I can't. I just had laser surgery. So they took a still photo and sent it back to History Channel. And Dolores, who was the exec, Dolores Gavin, who's now she at She fell in love. <laughs> well, she fell out of love, believe me. Um, I will say this much, Bill. What? You looked really pimp with those glasses on. Like OG, right? Completely. Yeah. And the and, original and, ufology gangster right there. And they weren't even the glasses I wore for UFO hunters because they had to get five pairs because they were so – People continually ask about those glasses. But here, they but were so the, flimsy yeah. that if you put them in your Expensive. pocket the wrong way, they broke. Yeah, they were like $300 a pair. I, I have right. one more pair left. I'm going to have them bronzed. They were like <laughs> insect glasses, you know, like – Yeah, they really were. Well, I like you know, the one I got for 250 at the – I, I, I tell you this much: in the last year and whatever many months we've been doing the show together, I don't, you, I don't know how many times it's come up in my private life. Uh, the conversation of why I have to rush home on Mondays, yeah. and I usually end up saying, "Yeah, because I do a podcast radio show on Dark Matter and PSN with Bill and Nancy Burns." And they're like, "Oh, who's Bill and Nancy?" Because people might not know. And I'm like, "Bill Burns, you know, UFO hunters, the guy with the glasses and the hat." Wow. 
Everybody knows him. Well, see, after listen, after after Bill watches Lasha and myself and you, Angel, putting together this little show out of whole cloth, he might realize it's within his power to put UFO hunters back on the air. It's mm. not that hard to do. All you have to do is do it. That's right? true. As when we when we moved to Bucks County, we Rebooted. moved to our house. Uh, we moved here five years ago, and we when we were getting our house inspected or any other house we had in mind to get inspected. We had three inspections, different houses. Each time, the inspector would say, instead of, uh, you know, you know, like, is this part of the building under, is it under permit? And I'd ask them about how hard are permits to get and stuff, to build stuff. And they always would say, I'd rather ask forgiveness than permission. Do you get it? Right. It's better to beg forgiveness yep. than seek permission. Yeah. So that's been my kind of mantra here as we've been building this thing. Because, as I said, I wanted to call it Belagab. It's a perfect name. But then I'd have to ask MV, the owner of Belagab. And I didn't want to ask permission. Well, if he ever listens to this episode or any of the episodes you know, following up or leading to this episode that you've talked about this, mm-hmm. he kind of already would know that you wanted to use that name. Yeah, but I'm not going to use it now. It's now Bella Haven. You think That's maybe you'll feel bad it. because you didn't use it? Or? No, no, no. He'll, no, he'll say it doesn't matter, you know, because back when I first got the idea, I wasn't very friendly to anybody on Bellagab. I, I hadn't been on that much, but then I realized the place is a hotbed of crazy women who really need yeah, a baby. show like this. I mean, seriously, there's it's it, because it's the mellifluous voice of yourself and Art Bell and Keith Rowland and Steve Warner, and I could go on and on. Women By love the way, sexy sexy male voices and so there's a lot of women listening um and i simply want to talk to them about our favorite guys see we love the to way, hear the sexy guy talk speaking of uh callers uh stephen crawford just uh called into the show ah, stephen i know you're on feature theater ah hi stephen hello stephen earth to stephen yeah stephen has been uh has, he has a, a cool story. shirt though he has a story for us, and I believe he would like us to hear him out. And I have not had – I've been a bit busy, and I keep kind of putting lots of people off. And Steve – Stephen, give us your story. Yeah. Are you there? You have, five, you have five minutes. Come on, Steve. Nobody say anything. Let's give Steve some time. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not touching anything. Don't, don't say but, anything. So anyway, so yeah, and I'm going to take – we're going to take calls <laughs> on, on the show. I'm going to have to take the Steve. call. Yes, but Steven. Angel said. Steven. Steven. Is Come this on, thing Steven. on? <laughs> Steven. So this is, how, this is not how you take calls, right? All right. Sorry, Steven. We're going to hang up on Steven. Yeah. He'll well, we call tried. back. See, that's Maybe. the problem. Sometimes different – I think he's got a really good story, but we keep sort of disconnecting, misconnecting. And that's that. I apologize. Um, well, he he called in through Skype directly. If anybody wants to call in, the uh, calling number is seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. Yeah, I put it on on. Twitter I put it up also. on my front page. I did. I went to some Ooh, trouble nice. before the show. Yeah, I'm trying to become a year later. Yeah. One year later, she finally does that. But again, seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. You can look us up on Skype by looking up PSN Radio or Soup Media Network. Well, you know, I have I um, actually up. mused on this. Why it's taking me so what? long to, to learn certain things? I know it seems like I'm taking forever, but here's the thing: you right. focus and learn what you have to. And I've been in the print business for so long; it's really hard to leave the print business behind. It's like leaving behind the the buggy whip. 
or the carbon paper business. And you want to jump into producing your own show at four? It's not jumping in. It's that's <laughs> no offense, Angel. It's really, really easy. And in fact, since Whoa. Steve, so, so listen. Whoa, those are Steve five has, words. Steve has to leave at ten thirty, eleven thirty. The last half hour of tonight's show is going to be a practice with Bella Haven. Maybe we'll even get Lasha to call in. But oh, you should get Lasha. You know what? That's a great idea. Yeah. You will get Lasha to call in, and yep. I will just sit here quietly, and you guys can practice the show. There we go. Okay. There we go. I'll be muted, too. Just be you and Lasha. Let me there see. She's in chat. Let me see if she's ready, willing, and able. And that will be our plan. And then right, because I can use... it, Because as soon as Steve jumps off, we'll take a break. We'll reconnect, and then you'll connect with Lasha. Right, right. And what I if the conversation you. gets really good, and Steve doesn't want to leave, and he just wants to stay he on? Has you know what? This is a great conversation. I don't want to go nowhere. I want to no. stay right here on Future Theater, man. Look no, at me. He uh, he has to go to work. I think in the real world, that's the problem. Did you see see that meme I yep, put up there? Yep, yep. Isn't that There's cute? A real I'm world. the producer now. Isn't that cute? Well, <laughs> no, not really. It's a Look tour. at me. Look at me. Yeah. I'm the on, on, on both questions, uh, no, not really. Yeah. Hey, look, Steve and uh, Crawford there, he just said LOL in the uh, Skype chat. Yeah, because he said something about his mic being off. And yeah, I his mic like... was hiding on me. Well, then you should catch it. Well, see, it's it, again, it, and this, smack is not, it around. this is not your fault, Angel, but this stupid Microsoft mic, if only they put the buttons like someplace yeah but someplace. I, you, you, yeah but here's here, here's the thing here's the thing nancy yeah you're assuming that he has the same headset you have no i'm just i'm just hating on my headset and figuring exactly. his is a, a different you could have my headset back no it's the same oh right but i'm saying <laughs> and i mine have mine mine is, mine is all bandaged up because it's way so too you big can for have my mine you can have mine no, no, it's have good it. it's good I'm going to be a professional. I'm telling you, I'm so psyched about this. I really hope that the well, person. Let's start off I, by being professional here by going on break, getting our guest on because we were at 1030 and he has to be on from 1030 to 1130. Oh, yes, let's do that. Okay, let's, let's so, so let us yeah. go to break and bring back uh, Steve Warner. So he's so we cool. Are, you know, he's known as Bateman on Bell Gap. Okay, so you'll so say every, Everybody. Go ahead, we are Bill. going to take a break and bring our guests back. We are uh, Bill and Nancy Burns on Future Theater Live on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. We are going to have some messages. Listen to the messages. Come back with Steve Warner. Talk See you on the- introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk stream live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction, Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. 
Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Are you tired of being lied to by the government when it comes to aircrafts that are flying over the skies? Let's explore the mysteries together. Tune in every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 a.m. Eastern. When Project Moondust was first exposed, the Air Force explanation to a United States senator was that uh, we never had a project named Moondust. Behind the tree was this gigantic, huge glass dome. Skywatchers Radio. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth-oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network, live at 8pm Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, CapricornMembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. It's the moment of truth. Now is not the time to lay on the ground like... And we are back on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Bill and Nancy Burns with our guest Steve Warner on Future Theater Live. Thanks for joining us, Steve. I know you got to work, um, so you're only going to be here for an hour. So we just want to jump right to it because you've got a great show on this network. That's right. Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Let me start with one question. Why Dark City? Why is that the name of your show? Uh, well, it started out as Dark Weekend, and the one and only reason for that was when Art came back to Sirius, uh, I was laying in bed one night listening to, and I remember the show, it was Tobias McGriff and James Fox, and I'm right. laying in bed, and I- I've been in radio since I was 19, and I had never done talk. I had worked in talk radio before, but I never did it myself. It was always uh, music radio. So I'm laying in bed listening to that show and I'm thinking to myself, this is one of the 
greatest radio shows, the, the greatest mm. episodes of Art Bell that I've ever heard. Mm. And I'm just laying there, eyes wide as saucers, looking at the ceiling. I'm like, oh my God, this is just taking me back to when I got hooked on the X-Files. Yeah. And yeah. I, I said, you know what? Why, why have I never done talk myself before? So I said, you know what? Why don't I try to do weekends for Art Bell on Sirius? So he was doing the show called Dark Matters. So I said, why don't I do something called Dark Weekend ah, and mm. get in touch with the serious people and see if I can get in there? And I had no intentions of, of it becoming anything more than that. Um, you know, I have all kinds of work obligations and my schedule is kind of crazy. But I said, you know what? Uh, doing weekends for Art Bell, that would be amazing. Well, so didn't, saw, you, didn't you think for a second that you'd be one of a million people trying to get that, that particular gig? Uh, yes, but um, you know how many people do this, this type of radio who maybe they're good at it, maybe they're okay at it, but not a lot of them besides you guys are really well connected who are doing this. You know what I mean? And not connected many, in what way? Uh, connected to people in the radio industry and connected to, I mean, you guys are all hooked up with the TV people. Bill Burns is going to get a TV show much quicker than somebody else is going right. to get a TV show, even if they have, you know, the same kind of background. Right. But, uh, and you feel that your, your uh, radio connections would actually go over to Sirius. I mean, they would uh, at least take a look at you because you've already been, you've already been vetted, basically. It's as if you have an agent or something. Yeah, and, and I do have an agent too. So uh, all, all of that in, in radio, yeah, there there are such things as agents for radio. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's really yeah. See, we're we're attempting to do a little show, and I don't, you know, talking to you, I then begin to really question my sanity because you really know what you're doing, and you sound like it. You know. Thank you. In fact, you know, just in the break, it was like, wow. Um, I think it's – I'm such a fan the way you are of hearing good radio. It's, I f it gets me excited and I feel like I can just push the button like CB, like in a CB lineup, uh, you know, uh, tr a trucker thing and just start talking too. It's almost like it invites you to be a participant. It's so good. It, so. it really is the most intimate medium there is. It really yeah. is. You're absolutely right. I mean, and, and it's funny because in the late 1950s, there was this gradual transition of um, radio hosts from AM to FM as FM became more popular. And the whole change yeah, that, in tone. Um, no, but the whole change in tone and intimacy and things like that, it was like brand new. And internet radio was bringing that back from Yeah, but I think if you, if you think about it, internet radio reminds me much, much more of the time when vaudeville was kind of, you know, big, a big deal in the country. And radio was very important, you know, in terms of um, little plays and musical shows and stuff. And when TV was just starting, it was basically radio. Uh, that filled all the TV uh, shows up, you know, and see right now with um, the internet opening up as a very flexible plastic medium, radio people are somehow ahead of everybody else, even more well, than TV people. Here's what I predict, and I, I, I throw this out to see because if because TV is is so behind the times. 
it, it, it really is, but I'm throwing this out to see uh, if Steve wants to comment, and it's this. Years ago at the Wiltron Theater in uh, Los Angeles, we heard a lot of the Star Trek folks, um, uh, John Delancey, uh, Ethan Phillips, uh, all um, Dwight Schultz, doing a radio show on stage. And it, I just, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking... That is going to be the future, as I remember that show, that's going to be the future of internet radio as well, that you're going to see actual performances just like in the 1920s and the 1930s with the old soap operas on radio where they were like Procter and Gamble and General Mills would own well, the radio Well, don't you think shows? Phil Hendry sort of is a is a beginning Falls of that right sort of into thing. that. Well, yeah, yeah but he's drama. been around for about twenty five, thirty years. Mm-hmm. He's been around for a while on radio. He's right. He really has a spring. Yeah, he's not a spring chicken, but yeah, no, his show definitely leads into that kind of conversation, and I completely agree. Well, but there's a there's a lot of stuff that you could do on radio which is not being explored. As, right, you know, but this the is the first time. You know, because the tools are now good enough for an amateur to actually wield these tools, you know, the basic microphone and stuff, Skype and stuff. Um, Now the creators right now don't need agents and don't need special meetings. They just need to be creative. Exactly. And so they need content is what they need. Exactly. And and who better to do content than creative people? Yeah, well, Steve. Steve, Steve, are you – you have um, a couple things. I want to get right to the – the heart of the, our big question, and that is, you and Bill have had a couple of long talks about the murder side of the world, serial killers and things. And you have as your avatar this guy named Bateman, which just kind of, I don't know why it sort of sticks in my consciousness. It's just an avatar, but you put some really interesting photos of this guy, Bateman. When you say Bateman American, from American Psycho? American oh, okay. Psycho. Yeah, yeah, American Psycho. Christian right. Bale, in other words, yeah. Well, yeah, but Bateman, not really Christian Bale. So, so Steve, right, why right. Bateman? It, it, people identify with you and him. <laughs> well, you with him. The, the first time that I saw that movie, actually, I couldn't finish it. it, it I thought, this is so sick, I can't. Yeah, me too. I, just, I can't get through it. First and, time I watched that movie, I replayed it after I was finished and watched it again. It was so good. <laughs> Loved yeah. it. Well, a couple of years later, that's what I did. I watched it again, and I thought, this is actually really brilliant, and it's actually darkly hilarious. Yep. And it's a really yeah. interesting character study, too. Um, you know, Bill and I have explored the serial killer topic. We did three hours on it a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it is such an interesting character study. There's one scene where uh, a couple scenes where he appears to be really into uh, popular music in the 80s. He's talking about, you know, Genesis and, and yes. whoever else. And, and it just comes off as very disingenuous. There's just something really off about this Fake. guy. Right. And there's, there's another scene where the girlfriend asks him, uh, why do you care about this or that? And he says, mm-hmm. I want to fit in. And that makes and that made me think. You know what? He's not actually interested in this music that he appears to be obsessed with. He's trying to appear normal. That's mm-hmm. what he's actually doing here. So, it's aside from being a really entertaining movie, and it is darkly hilarious. There's parts of this movie that are laugh out loud funny if you have that type of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's very, yes, yes. very smart. Very yeah, smart. Yeah, but but compare that movie or that that work. With um, I think it's Twin, and that's Fight Club, and 
you know, that, that writer, Peliniac, Peliniac. Yeah, plenty, yeah, uh, right. You know, have you, have, compare and contrast with Fight Club. Uh, the different characters. The characters, the dis- the dissatisfaction with with normal life, um, not being able to fit in, being such a monster that IKEA is not going to ca- be able to cage your 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 personality. I mean, where is that all coming from? You know, well, with I, guys. I think, I think that's a very common theme that a lot of those types of movies explore. I mean, Donnie Darko is another good example. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great movie. Fabulous movie. Yeah. True. Hmm. I mean, that is why, a movie. Why, what, why? What's going on with guys right now? I can, I can speculate, but I'm not a guy. Give well, me a lot. <laughs> no, I mean, let's get, you know, let's get Steve in on this. You know, what do you think is going on where this stuff is becoming more popular? And you're seeing this epidemic of um, mass murder-suicide concurrent with all this. There was a really interesting piece that uh, Breitbart, uh, of all places, did. This is probably about a year ago. And it was titled something like The Death of of Men or The Death of Boys. And there was another study that came out in the last week uh, from the Stanford Prison Experiment uh, psychologist or psychiatrist. Mm, Wow. And and he was talking about the exact same thing, how basically there is an addiction to uh, video games and pornography that is taking boys out of out of society basically you know if if you can wrap yourself up in this this warm blanket in your bedroom where you know these these uh, these needs are are fulfilled by a computer screen um, well what 's uh, basically why, as a pimply fourteen or fifteen year old kid, do you want to go out there and be getting rejected by girls when you can have everything that you need in the comfort of your own bedroom Mm -hmm. so it's basically creating this problem of of boys who aren 't being socialized properly it 's worse it 's worse here 's what it 's doing. I'm doing this book called Psychiatric Criminology that I have to get back to after I finish this Mickey Rooney set of footnotes. But the um, what we say in that book, this is John Liebert, who would be a great guest on your show, by the way. Uh, he's a forensic psychiatrist. That what's happening is far more seismic than just a generation of kids growing up um, behind their avatars doing single shooter games. It's literally what we're calling it is the rewiring of America. Mm. And it is successive generations of kids. Even now it's starting with my own grandchildren at age six and seven and all the way up to 11 that literally are focused into their devices, not just to send messages to mommy that I'm waiting at school, but spending all of their time with games and the games are literally rewiring. I mean, there's this very famous psychologist. He was Canadian called Donald Hebbs. Donald Hebbs was one of the first people responsible for coming up with theories about neural networking back in the ni- back in the early 1950s. He's the guy who wrote the very famous quote, neurons that fire together, wire together. And that's literally what's happening to a whole generation of children. So the epidemic isn't of, of, of violence, of expressing one's isolation and alienation and basically hatred for a world that's not within your video game on innocent society is not just concurrent with, but partly the result of 
what's happening with rewiring. And part of the problem, and, and, and maybe you can comment on this, but part of the problem of this is, so you say, well, how can we prevent this? But if you look at what it takes to prevent this, you're running smack up against freedom of speech. It's like all the things you need to do to prevent these kinds of crimes and prevent the genesis of these crimes actually conflicts with the Constitution itself, which was written at a time when nobody even, it wasn't even a German people's brains that something like this might happen. Well, aside from the constitutional issue right there, I mean, you're coming up against literally a mental problem. The, what, it, what it comes down to is the brain is always going to go for the easy reward. What, what reason do you have to take the long way, to, t- to take the, uh, the social way when you have everything that you need through a keyboard, through a computer screen? That's the right, easy- right. And games are, are set up to give you tiny rewards no matter how big your failure. Yeah. Games you are set up feedback. to generate the flow of dopamine. Dopamine right. is the reward chemical. Well, that um, hits the reward guys, center of guys, the brain. Have you guys all heard about the site called Reddit, R-E-D-D-I-T? Oh, sure. Yeah, okay, Reddit is very addictive, and it's, much has been talked about with this. And it's known now that every time you get a new tidbit of information that's new to you that makes you smile, it's, you get a shot of dopamine. And, and Reddit right. just keeps giving it to you if you go to the, the front page of Reddit, basically, and just let it all flow by. And one of the studies that's been done on the effect of dopamine is this, that when you anticipate the flow of dopamine, in other words, they did a study of cocaine addicts, it's sort of about 10 years ago in LA, they did the study of cocaine addicts. And what they found by measuring uh, neurochemical stimulation, hitting the reward mechanism, no, it's this, (laughs) that the (laughs) highest thrill of a cocaine addict was just before the hit. It wasn't the cocaine. It was the anticipation hmm. of the cocaine. Hmm. It's like the reverse of FDR saying the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, this is the oh. same thing, except wow. in reverse. I'd say I disagree with that, but then that'll just mean that I know what I'm talking about because I've used it, so I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Okay. But I disagree with that. <laughs> okay, well. Uh, which part, Which part, Angel? That the, the whole part that right before you use it is what you actually get the the – most high. I mean, that doesn't make any well, sense. Well, now you all know about the, the studies with the rats, cocaine and the, the cocaine and the mice, cocaine and the rats. But did right. you know that the the uh, more recent study has shown that uh, they'll hit, you know, they'll hit, they keep hitting the lever. That's what we've all heard till they starve to death, basically for the cocaine. In fact, that's only true if they're in a cage. If you let them have anything else to do, you know, go out to the countryside a little bit, you know, the cage opens up to the outside a bit. They don't bother with the cocaine, which is very interesting. So when you break the, when you break the wall between yourself and your own fantasies and you actually have to participate in the real world, you know, walking around other people, uh, drugs don't have as much of a hold. Just, just FYI. You know, so it is, gets okay. dopa- dopamine, dopamine. It's the same thing with really crappy food, too. If it's got a lot of sugar True. in it, it lights up uh-huh. all those areas of the yeah, brain. Yeah. Why, why, why are you going to eat a, a bunch of snap peas when you could eat a, you know, a couple of Twinkies and, and it lights up all those parts of the brain that make you... Uh, you know, they yeah, make chocolate-covered Twinkies. Definitely rewire that. Well, we're going to have a little bit of a feedback. A lot, yeah. A lot of uh, feedback, yeah. How come? Somebody's got uh, it, their TV on. Is from uh, Steve Warner over there, Mr. Warner. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, 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 but there's a little feedback coming from your end there, buddy. 
Uh, how about now? Okay, better. feedback's gone. That's much better. Right. right. Good job. Good job. Um, but you and, can rewire your brain from the carb cravings because oh yeah right but but you but can the, but the fast food companies that you're talking about Steve they know about this because they're putting in the kinds of chemicals in the foods that are going to hit various pleasure centers so when you jump down on that on that whopper or something like that the, the prevalence of sugars and salts and all kinds of flavor well, skittles in, in, skittles skittles the spices and, skittles Skittles is the work of the devil. I mean, uh, so good. you know the sweet, you know the the, oh, the sharp, so good. not the sweet ones, but the sour, taste the rainbow. sour yeah, skittles. Taste the rainbow. Oh. We've learned so far. We've learned so far that Angel loves sugar and cocaine. Yes, That's right. <laughs> I am Cuban, after all. Yes, and a Cuban sandwich, right? <laughs> La medianoche. Yes. Yes. Right. So okay. So Con un cafecito. So we have ascertained why you, uh, Steve, have you ever seen the motion picture Dark City? You asked me that uh, a month or so ago. I never oh, got I around to it. I still haven't gotten around to it. You, you, you have got to see it. You've never seen Dark City? Oh no. my God. It has, so such a great, it has such a great conceit because it literally – And you can't give the ending up I won't all. give it. I won't give it. But still one of the highlights – and the, uh, you love this – is that one of the characters has been transformed into what the police believe is a serial killer. And his girlfriend in the movie is Jennifer Connelly. And she sings this mournful um, version, this mournful ballad of Neil Sedaka's The Night is a Thousand Eyes, but doing it from the point of view of this is uh, a serial it, wait, killer. Stop, stop. Steve, do you know who Neil Sedaka is? Uh, yeah, I think so. Singer? Probably before his time. He's just 30 after all. I know. That's right. Young cat. Young cat. Okay, well, Neil Sedaka is one of the biggest rock and roll composers back in the late 50s, early 60s. And so, I'm older and I don't even know who that is. So. He would be he like the Barry Gordy, the Barry Gordy for white folks. Right. I mean, he did Calendar Girl, Breaking Up is Hard to Do. I mean, he was just, he's fabulous. Well, and, he has a, uh, I mean, he has a humongous uh, playlist of, of lots of other artists uh, covered his. Yeah, yeah, he was very heavily covered. So he did, he he wrote this song called "The Night Is" a, and performed the song "The Night Is a Thousand Eyes," but it was a rock song, right? And it was a it was a bouncy, happy song. She does it talking about a singing about a serial killer. It is the weirdest, most mournful ballad, and that is one of the highlights of the movie. Simply because I'd never heard that song done that way before. Hmm. You've got to see, and and Kiefer Sutherland is unbelievable in this movie. Apparently, the reason, apparently, the reason that movie didn't do so well is because it came out around the same time as The Matrix. No, so- no, 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 no. Actually, uh, it, it's funny uh, that you say that. Dark City came out before The Matrix. They actually filmed The Matrix in some of the same stunts, sound right. stages. Right. They filmed Dark City. In fact, some of the scenery you see in The Matrix is directly from Dark City. Oh. Wow. Wow. So the Matrix borrowed heavily from Dark City. Dark City came out first. Uh, it was just an independent release. It was a much smaller picture. Didn't have the wide uh, release that the, the Matrix had. Didn't have the star power either. You know, Kiefer Sutherland wasn't the Jack Bauer it wasn't, that he is yeah, now. Exactly. So, exactly. This is before 24. Right. 
um, I think it was even before A Few Good Men, right? Where Keeper right, Sutherland. Right. Alex yeah, Proyas, the only thing he had directed before that was The, the Crow with Brandon Lee, which was big. And that wasn't a blockbuster either. It was just a nice, small, independent hit. Right, right. So it was an independent film. It did well for what it was, but it gained a real big cult following when it went on video and DVD. Huge, and huge the, cult huge following. Huge cult following, yeah. It's one, to me, it's one of the top 50 greatest movies ever made, honestly. It's, really? it's a phenomenal masterpiece. Yeah, oh. I love it. John Hurt is in it too. I mean, I yes. no William. Is it John Wh- Hurt? No, William Hurt. William Hurt. William Hurt. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really. If I mean, there grew up. I, I, I um, another one like that is this uh, with a uh, what's his face, Kenneth Perret, Streets of Fire. There is almost like this steampunk version where science fiction meets retro. Um, William Defoe was in that movie as well. Where where um, it, it looks like you you've got this prism lens into the 1930s, but it's not the 1930s. It's actually futuristic, and 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 Dark City has that ambiance. Uh, you Completely. really have to, yeah. yeah. Uh, you really have to see it. The and twist what, is phenomenal. I mean, the twist will get you. Oh, every the time. twist I mean, is brilliant. Yeah. Well, well, can I can I switch the thing back sure, to sure. Yeah, Dan Hopsicker because um, I just want to make sure that you. Uh, and you know both Bill and Steve uh, talk about the um, the, uh, the Venice, California, uh, Venice, Florida, the uh, the the three guys who were trained at the flying place, right? And Bill, oh, right. Uh, did Bill tell you ever about the anthrax part of that? Uh, I don't think so. No. Yeah. Okay. So maybe Bill can kind of frame. Bill knows what I'm talking okay, about. Real okay. Real quick. Okay. Real quick. In June. Of 2011, so we're right. We're before the uh, World Trade Center. Um, this guy turns up at, uh, I think the, uh, I, I forget the name of the hospital, but it's the, ho- but it's in Hollywood, Florida. And he walks into the E room with some with someone else, and these are Middle Eastern guys. And this, this is guy not has, Hopsicker, right? You're talking to somebody else. No, this is somebody else, and okay. and he's got this big lesion on his leg. And he tells the doctor, whose name is Peter Tsongas, he tells the doctor, um, uh, Tsongas asks him, what happened? That's a terrible, ter- what, that's a ter- what happened? And he says, uh, I, I bruised myself against the suitcase. And, and this doctor, who's an E-room doctor, looks at it. And, and, in, and he says to himself, that's no bruise. That's something. He doesn't know what it is. But he knows it's not a bruise. So he starts asking him, as any E-room doctor does, how did you get this? When did you get this? What was the – can you tell him? He's asking for the presentation of the injury. And the Middle Eastern guy gets furious, takes out a wad of bills, throws it on the, on the, um, on the gurney and says, here, just treat this. So Tsongas gives him some ointment and sends him away. But he takes a photo of it. And he goes to um, St. Um, – basically uh, John, uh, John Hopkins, um, their database, and finds out that that lesion on this guy's leg isn't a bruise. It's anthrax contamination. The guy came in contact with weaponized anthrax. This is in Florida in June. This was the same guy, it turns out, who was on Flight 93 that crashed. And actually, I think it was shot down in Pennsylvania on, on, um, on 9-11, but worse, this was the guy and his partner. These are two Saudis. This was the guy who went to the small business administration office in South Florida and asked for a $650,000 loan 
to set up a crop dusting company in South Florida. Now, that was plan A for 9-11, spreading weaponized anthrax powder. That was the first terrorist attack. It never uh-huh. happened. They didn't get the loan. But talk about conspiracy. We were talking about it earlier. When this doctor went to the FBI and said, listen, I got to warn you guys. This is happening. This is anthrax. These guys have weaponized anthrax. It was deep sixed by the FBI. They basically plunged it into the circular file. And one of the agents who was screaming at the FBI was this agent called Kathy McChesney. Kathy McChesney was on the Ted Bundy task force back in the 1970s with Detective Bob Keppel. And she went from King County uh, Police or Sheriff's Department to the FBI. And she was screaming as well. So the FBI finds this guy, Bruce Ivins, who was working at in Maryland, at, at, um, but Ivins and Ivins commit suicide. So the FBI closes the case. But Ivins' lab never had the, the capacity to weaponize, to weaponize anthrax. That's no small feat. Nor did he have that um, apparatus at home. But he was a sexual offender. And he was so humiliated, embarrassed, I mean, scathed to the point of committing suicide by being investigated by the FBI, thinking this was a sexual investigation that was being wrapped up in this thing, that he commits suicide that allows the FBI to close the case. So you take that whole anthrax and you plug it into what we now know about the um, administrations sending all the Saudis, including the bin Laden family home, right around and their contacts with the bin Laden family right around 9-11, right before 9-11. And, and you really begin to wonder about what really was going on amongst um, intelligence services. Yeah, I, I think actually in the 9-11 Commission report, there were two mentions of Venice, Florida in the entire report. And what this guy Dan Hopsicker did, he's an investigative journalist and he's independent now. I think he uh, used to write for the, the New York Times, some big, big publications uh, but what he determined was that, no, Mohammed Atta was down in South Florida for months and months at a time. What he was doing down there is, you know, questionable, uh, but he was renting cars all the time from this one particular uh, rental agency. So he goes to the rental agency and he says, is there anything that you can remember about this Mohammed Atta guy? And the guy was kind of cagey about it, said, yeah, all right, he was, he was kind of weird. Well, Dan Hopsicker looks into this rental agency a little bit more. See, Hopsicker is very good about looking into really, really granular details. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought so too, yeah. And yeah. what he found, and he has this rental uh, agency owner on camera talking about this, and he says, uh, just out of curiosity, have you ever done any work? Oh, 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 he asks him, how did Mohammed Atta find you? And he said, oh, you know, I think he just uh, found me in the Yellow Pages. Interesting. Right. He's never had an ad in the Yellow Pages advertising his rental car agency. Hmm. He finds out that the, this particular company had done all kinds of work for the FBI. So the FBI, whenever they needed somebody to rent a car in this particular area, they would go through this basically unlisted rental car agency. Mm-hmm. So Wow. It seems like every 
everybody who Mohammed Atta came into contact with on a professional level was in some roundabout way or in, in a direct way associated with FBI. That's astounding. That's which makes sense. Now, didn't he, didn't he also write about Barry and the boys, about Barry Seal and the Dixie Mafia? He did. That was another book that he uh, wrote. Um, I did not read that one. Uh, this book that I interviewed him on was called um, Welcome to Terrorland. Right. right. I, I know that book. Yes, I, I know that. But here's the thing about um, Barry and the boys and the Dixie Mafia, and, and you may want to have this guy on your show. Um, Barry Seal is talking about this organization called the Dixie Mafia. It was run from, among other places, Angola State Prison, which is one of the toughest prisons in the United States. It's in Baton Rouge. And a guy who was on death row at Angola, his name was Billy Sinclair, and he wrote the book uh, Life in the Balance. And Billy Sinclair um, was convicted of um, a felony murder of this, guy, uh, uh, of this guy who was one of the big football stars in the whole area of uh, New Orleans, in Baton Rouge, in, yeah, in Louisiana. Big, big guy. And he was sentenced to the electric chair. And he, on death row, as the appeals process progressed, because it's automatic, he learned how to read, got himself off drugs, became a jailhouse lawyer. Um, he's, I'm, he's my client now. And he became a jailhouse lawyer. And he wrote an argument um, under the auspice of the Eighth Amendment, Cruel and, in, and Inhumane Punishment, of the Eighth Amendment, saying that death row prisoners were not granted yard time and basically arguing that um, prisoners on death row were there and, they, and it was violative of the Eighth Amendment. Well, another group, the Southern Poverty Law Center and related groups arguing death row cases, picks up his argument that basically got the prison to give the death row inmates some yard time. They picked it up and that became the basis for the Supreme Court case uh, I want to say Furman versus Georgia, but I'm not sure, of the Supreme Court case that overturned the death penalty as it was then being implemented in the United States. So this guy goes on to become the editor of the Angolite, the prison uh, newspaper. And in that capacity, he begins investigating what are known as gold seal pardons, pardons that rapists and murderers and all kinds of real vicious criminals were getting from the governor. And he couldn't figure out why were they getting these pardons. Turns out there was a pardons for sale program that was being run by the Dixie Mafia through Governor Ed Edwards and the pardon board chairman and the warden at Angola. While he's investigating this, he's interviewed by this um, woman. She happens to be um, the CBS News station chief down in Baton Rouge called Jody Archer. Jody Archer, or Jody Bell as she was then known, but Jody Archer was Congressman Billy Archer's cousin from Texas. And she and Billy Sinclair fall in love. The warden who's been trying to compromise Sinclair for years realizes now he has an angle on Sinclair. He can now be hurt. So he threatens her through Sinclair 
to buy a pardon for $25,000. Sinclair tells her, and they're speaking in code on the phone, she gets the FBI involved and they run this sting inside prison and outside prison to get the pardon board chairman, this guy Marcellus, to accept a payment of $25,000, at which point the, the whole cover is blown because Marcellus is having them tailed, is having the FBI tailed by the Louisiana State Police. Well, it's an incredible story, but in the overflow of that, that's what breaks the Dixie Mafia. And that would be a phenomenal guest on your show. Well, you, you should have him on, too. Dan Hopsicker is one of the best uh, independent investigative journalists that I've that I've come into contact with. And I, I talk to people on a weekly basis from the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, from mm-hmm. Daily East, all these different places. And well, he, he, said of, on, he, he said on your show that it's breaking his heart that the mainstream media seems terribly compromised at this point. They, right? they really do all have an agenda. Um, you know, I mean, it, he, come, he, know, he comes from the mainstream. He knows what he's talking about, right? Oh. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I don't know how he's been able to finance some of the investigations that he's done. Um, you know, he just he he's out of that mainstream media loop right now, and he just mm-hmm. he lives down in South Florida. And I guess he, I don't know, maybe he's made enough money that he can just sort of do what he, you know, what he pleases at this. Uh, well, he's selling books. I mean, that's that's yeah. one way to sustain yourself. I, I, I'm probably going to look for him and have Billy Sinclair on the air at the same time, because that would be, and I'll just shut up and let them have a conversation, because that would be fascinating. Hmm. Well, another person that I, I wanted to throw into the conversation, uh, another conspiracy that I've always wanted to investigate more of is the conspiracy on the Franklin scandal. Um, how much of that do you uh, think is a true story? It's, it's pretty awful. Part of the problem with that is that you're dealing with people who have a history of mental illness and drugs, and that actually, that may be part of the the whole scheme, that you want to get these kids, uh, to back up, just to give everybody some context, basically what was happening in the 1980s in Omaha, Nebraska, it started with a guy named uh, Lawrence King who was considered to be a rising star in the Republican Party, sang the national anthem at a couple different um, RNC conventions, uh, and he ran the Franklin Credit Union in Omaha. Uh. And at some point, people figured out that there was a significant amount of money that was missing. And at first they thought it's 400000 then they thought it was $4 million. It wound up being $40 million that, poof, went up in smoke. No idea where it went. Mm. And this guy was uh, flying all around the country uh, on the credit union's dime. Um, and they found, actually it wasn't until much, much later on that the uh, author that I spoke to, his name is... Um, Nick. Nick Bryant. Nick Bryant, yeah. Mm-hmm. He actually got his hands on flight records, Larry King's flight records. Mm-hmm. And it was Lawrence King plus one, plus two, you know, however, however many uh, he was taking. Now, if you're under 18, apparently you don't need to be logged uh, in, in these private flight manifests. You know, your name doesn't need to be logged in there. So all of these kids who came forward saying Larry King is flying me around the country for these orgies with high-ranking government officials and and whoever else, the kids' stories um, 
started to, uh, there started to be evidence. There started to be a, an actual paper trail for this. So how Nick Bryant got his hands on those flight records was he got them from a private investigator who the, uh, the Nebraska uh, state legislature who started to look into some of these claims, they got a hold of uh, this private investigator and they said, we want you to look into these claims. So he goes to uh, Chicago to talk with somebody who claimed to have been Larry King's private photographer at these supposed orgies. And this is young boys and girls, right? It, I, I think it was mostly boys. That was uh, apparently Larry King's preference. But there Are we were... talking about Larry King from TV, Larry King? No, 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 no. no, no. Oh, different okay. guy. Yeah, totally. He said Larry King, then it's a different name. No, it's right. Lawrence King. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He kept saying Larry King, and I'm just, wait a well, second, the suspenders, Larry King? He no, called no. Okay, so, okay, so, okay, so what happened, Steve? Right, so he flies continue, through, continue, yes. this private investigator flies to Chicago to meet with this private inve- uh, this uh, private photographer who says he was employed by Larry King to take pictures at these orgies. Now, you're thinking, why would somebody want to take pictures of this? Well, part of the reason why these orgies were taking place, number one, it's to satiate the sick sexual appetites of some of these people, but number two, it was to compromise them. If you've got right. pictures, uh, especially pictures of this nature, I mean, what, what could you possibly have pictures of that's worse than this? Right. What's, what's right. the absolute worst thing? It's, it's this. So this guy's name is Rusty Nelson, private photographer, uh, and the private investigator flies to Chicago, apparently to get some of this evidence. He gets the evidence. He flies his private plane, little Cessna, out to Chicago. Uh, before he flies back, oh, and he flies out with his kid, by the way, which probably was not a great idea. He calls a few people on the phone before he gets on the plane uh, to fly back to Nebraska. And he says, I've, I've basically got, you know, just irrefutable evidence. I've got, I've, I've got the, the uh, holy grail here. I've got exactly what we need uh, you know, to, to nail these bastards to the wall. So his plane, as he's flying back, explodes in midair. He is killed along with his son, and mysteriously his briefcase was missing from the wreckage. They found uh, pretty much everything else intact, but they did not find the briefcase. They did not find the pictures. Hmm. So uh, the, the evidence just, uh, just disappeared. Um, Larry King ended up doing, I don't know how many years in federal prison. Not, not that many. He was never convicted of any of the, uh, child abuse claims. Hmm. Uh, um, but he ended up, uh, doing time for the, uh, you know, mi- misappropriation of funds. But it was a financial crime. Sure. That's what he did time for. Exactly. You know, who also was following this story? Cause I remember this guy telling me this story, Paul Rodriguez from, um, what was the Moon newspaper in Washington? Well, Washington Times, I think. Uh, yes. Remember, it was the Mooney yes, newspaper. Washington, yes, I think the Washington Times, where they had the the wedding of a million people. That's right. Okay, so and also, Paul, you know, this, they have a good connection with the White House. Some of the White Houses, you know, right, prayer meetings. Anyway, and stuff. so what? So so so, because he was he had contacted me because I had done the book under the name Joel Norris. I mean, Joel Norris was alive, but I 
I was his ghost. Um, woo, uh, on Henry uh, Lee Lucas. Makes sense. And Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Toole had collaborated on, believe it or not, a book called The Hands of Death. Oh, 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 Paul Rodriguez. Yes, I came across. He right? did a whole bunch of exposés for, yeah, I think it was the Washington Times. Yes. On this. And he was on top of a guy named uh, Craig Spence. Who yep, Craig was, Spence. Yeah, I've heard of him. He was, a, uh, he claimed to be a lobbyist. He was a very, very well-connected guy, but apparently he was a CIA asset. Some mm-hmm. of these orgies that Larry Craig was taking these kids to took place at uh, Craig Spence's house. Craig Spence's house was wired for uh, audio and visual. And again, this, the purpose for this was to compromise politicians. Apparently what but would happen... What else is he known for, Craig Spence? Um, his name is really... Familiar. Uh, he was uh, famous for spending something like fifty grand a month on a callboy ring, and there were also Spence. drug charges. But he wound up dead in uh, his hotel room at the right. Uh, okay, I think I, that's I how think I, I know the guy. Yes, that's how. Yeah. I know. he ended up dead in his hotel room at the Ritz Carlton Hotel, and scrawled on the mirror actually uh, said, "Consider this my resignation." So make of that what you will. Well, did, well, are they saying it was suicide or something? Are they claiming suicide that? Suicide by somebody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may have killed himself. Who knows? But I mean, Well, he was suicided basically is what it was. But the, the, um, the names that Paul Rodriguez, that I'm not going to mention on the air, the names that Paul Rodriguez dropped in terms of this ring were un – I mean, I, we were in New York. He'd come to New York to talk to me about Otis Tool and Henry Lee Lucas – and the names he dropped, because everybody was laughing at the Lucas book saying, boy, these guys, Henry Lee Lucas, Otis. Well, Otis Toole was the guy who killed John Walsh's son, Adam. Adam oh, wait, 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 wait. Um, let me throw another name in. Um, Hopsicker was also talking about Anthony Summers a uh, lot. And why? Bill can add a little more to that. Why Anthony Summers? Trying to remember he- now. Um, no, I mean I can, but did you? Talk wait, wait, to but him but about Steve, Anthony Summers? Anthony Summers was the guy he was saying in the interview had the British accent, and that he said something like, "We only report what we're allowed to report." And he became, I think, somebody's biographer. I think Kennedy's biographer. Uh, it, it doesn't ring a bell, actually. I'd have to go back. I mean, this was Anthony Summers. Probably- Anthony Summers wrote the 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 uh, one of the um, seminal books on Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Right, and I on believe murder, that he, on the murder of Marilyn Monroe. Right, and he's one of the people that Hopsiger points to, who was severely compromised. Um, why the truth can't really get out about stuff, you know, the people who get so close to it and then they get too close to it, and then if they want to stay alive, they drop it basically. Well, I so knew him. Yeah. I knew him because he interviewed me. I had done a book with. Um, uh, so, Back in from the 1940s, the late, late 1940s, until obviously when he died in, in the 1970s, J. Edgar Hoover ran an assassination squad. And I met more than one person from the squad. And um, this assassination squad, um, this one guy, his pseudonym was Mike Milan. And he was a mob guy. He was a contract killer for a number of families, but... He was working on this squad, and he told me the story that about J. Edgar Hoover 
um, having an affair with an African-American school teacher in Washington, D.C., who would come to the door. And Anthony Summers was saying that Hoover would dress up in drag because he was having uh, a relationship with Carla Deloach, his, his assistant. They were having a homosexual relationship. And so um, that's how I met Summers. And the conversation obviously turned to Marilyn Monroe and Jack Kennedy. And what I didn't know then, but I know now, is that her minder in 1962, she had two minders. One was Thomas Jacobson, who was the son of Dr. Max Jacobson, Dr. Feelgood, and he was delivering to her methamphetamines. And the other was Peter Lawford. And somewhere, Peter Lawford, because I spoke to his old manager, made a series of tapes about how he was there making sure Marilyn Monroe took her drugs and took her drugs and took her drugs. And when Thomas Noguchi wrote the, uh, his autopsy report on Marilyn Monroe, he was the L.A. County coroner. When he wrote his report, the thing that really bothered him was that she had this big bruise on her hip. And the only other person that complained about a big bruise on his hip was Mickey Mantle, who'd gotten an injection right there from Max Jacobson of methamphetamines to keep him going during his um, home run derby with Roger Maris in 1961. So, I mean, there's, I mean, I haven't spoken to um, Anthony Summers in probably 30, over 30 years, but it's fascinating. And you're right about you come up close to something and it is so frightening the magnitude of what you're coming close with. It's like finding out that uh, we are really um, robotic creations from some extraterrestrial race and we have no free will and we're going to be um, thrown into a laser beam and disintegrated upon our death. I mean, that's literally that, that shocking thing. And that's what he was saying about this conspiracy about J. Edgar Hoover and JFK and the whole um, Marilyn Monroe, how she was connected. And Frank Sinatra. Well, here's a fun little conspiracy of... Uh, huh. Recent times. This was during the Bush administration, and this was in the news for a week, and then poof, went away. Mm. Uh, a guy, this bald guy, who was in the White House press corps, who was lobbing softball questions at the president. Oh, yeah, I know where yeah, you're the going. Guy, exactly. Where, yeah, the gay his, guy. Yeah, his name was guy. Jeff Gannon, and he supposedly represented this damn gays circle. guys. This yeah. news service called Talon News, and everybody was right, like, right. what the hell is Talon News? Well, it turns out that Talon News was just a front for something called GOP USA, which was just uh -huh. you know, this Republican action network, whatever it was. Uh, but it was connected uh, to the Bush administration. This guy had no press background whatsoever. Uh, they looked into it. You know what his background actually was? Male escort. That right, was right, 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 um, right. Now, but, the, but aren't the, they claiming that he was the grown-up version of that kidnapped kid? That's where it sort of ties in, and that mm -hmm. may or may not be true. Um, actually, what's interesting is, and he hasn't been heard from in the last seven, eight years. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He was supposed to take a DNA test to determine whether or not, in fact, he was Johnny Gosh, who was the first milk mm -hmm. carton kid. Uh, who went missing in, 
I don't know where, somewhere out in the Midwest, maybe uh, Iowa, maybe. Um, John, well, where, yeah, John, where was gosh. Frank? Where was Franklin? Franklin was Omaha, Nebraska. So this might have right. been. Uh, it, oh, it was Des Moines, Des Moines, Iowa. That's Iowa. where uh, uh, Johnny Gosh went missing. And people on the internet then were speculating. I don't know how they even. Uh, came to this conclusion or what what made somebody make this connection but people were saying what if this is Johnny Gosh and that kind of got some traction and Johnny Gosh's mother Noreen who's been all over media for the last 30 years or so talking about this she has no idea where her where her son is she has no idea what happened but the uh the theory is that he was taken into one of these uh pedophile rings so he was asked if he would take a DNA test and he said, oh yeah, I'll take it, I'll take it. He said you know, two or three times in separate interviews. He never did it. Um, he would never talk to Noreen Gosh either. Um, real weirdness there, but there were definitely yeah, yeah. some and, and you could never find out a whole heck of a lot about this guy's background either. His real name, by the way, was not Jeff Gannon. It was something right, like right. Jeff Gucker. But the weird thing is, the initials, every, every uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, false name he was using, every alias, it was those same initials, J.G., for some strange reason, just sort of adding fuel to that fire that maybe he really is Johnny Gosh, and that's just sort of his his way of acknowledging it. I don't know. Right, right. But what's, what's weird, uh, really weird about the Jeff Gannon thing, aside from the fact that he was a Republican operative, he was put in there by, uh, I guess, the White House press secretary, whoever is responsible for entering those credentials for the, uh, the reporters. If you look at Secret Service logs, which a couple of senators were able to obtain, the Secret Service logs showed him going into the White House many, many days on days when there were no press briefings scheduled. There right. are other times when he goes in and there's no out uh, time logged. So what he right. was doing there at the White House on A, days when there was no press briefing scheduled, and B, what he was doing there late at night and they never logged uh, any exit, who knows? But they also speculated that he had uh, a very, very close relationship with uh, George Bush. Uh, yeah, that junior was that speculative. you know they were kind of rubbing each other's heads a lot in um, early photographs. So it's, it would have been a Monica Lewinsky story had the press wanted it to be. I really thought this was going to catch fire. I remember when it was kind of building because that guy was clearly a weird plant. You know, a very very weird plant. Yeah, yeah. and if you well, watch, um, it, he, he made appearances on uh, MSNBC. He made appearances. Oh. on Fox and one on Bill Maher too and the guy just he seems robotic I mean he just doesn't seem like a, a normal well-adjusted wow. human being um, well did he ever address the whole hooker stuff on Bill Maher or something like that uh, I think he was cagey about it I mean there were pictures of him that were taken from some of these sites where right um, you know he was sort of yeah. reclining you, you remember that uh, I saw that yeah sure but do you remember yeah. that that photograph from Seinfeld where George is posing around yeah. on the? It, yeah. it looked like that actually. Yeah, yeah, and it, and I that think he was of, advertising himself for you know like with his military prowess he was a uh, kind of like a tough guy mm -hmm. in his uh, yeah. in his I escort. Think, in his yeah, escort. I think he called himself Bulldog, something like that. Yeah, I, I, 
But how well, something have- like that gets press credentials, you know, it was one person who signed off on that. That's all it took. Well, have you ever heard of a of a website called Rigorous Intuition? No, it doesn't ring up. No, it's your cup of tea. Wait till you go there. Basically, they follow all these stories and they they will not let them go away. They basically little tidbits still accrue to the various stories that we're talking about. Um, and one that I like to follow, which leads to the same places, by the way, is the story about uh, Teresa Duncan. Um, the suicides of the, this golden couple. Um, it's so weird, and it involves role-playing, uh, mass, you know, the mass role-playing games and stuff. Um, it's yeah. such a... World, yeah. World of Warcraft and whatnot. Well, it's, it's actually something different. You know, just as we know that the government, uh, the military, has, is the creator of many, many, many of the games that have caught on. Um, they came from the military in the first place. They're... You know, it's just like Ender's Game. They're really training you to be a warrior. Um, in the same way, in the paranoid world of, say, rigorous intuition, they'll talk about role-playing games, massive role-playing games. They're called massive, you know, uh, MMG or something like that, uh, multiple massive role-playing games, where the CIA kind of sets real people into motion, uh, interacting like you never know if you're being used or if the, you know, um, it's a rabbit hole that once you start to go down, you begin to mistrust everything because on the internet, everybody's hiding behind an avatar anyway. So well, listen, guys, before I have to go, let me just leave you with one thing: talking about following up on some of these things because, yeah, you're right. There are some of the, these websites that just get a hold of some of these conspiracies, yeah. and they they don't let it go for years and years and years. You can read some of these threads that yeah. you know, yeah. there's just new information that they follow up on. So I wanted to find out what happened to Larry Lawrence E. King when he got out of jail. He was uh, uh. supposed to get out of jail in, I think, the mid-2000s. And I'm not going to say specifically where, where he is employed. You can find it on the internet, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, he ended up working for a car dealership in uh, Virginia. And the guy who owns the car dealership was one of the donors to, uh, or, or one of the uh, prime contributors to uh, the Franklin Credit Union back in the 80s. He was an old friend of Larry King's. Mm. Uh, and they dug a little bit more and they found out that Larry King is on the board of directors on a children's charity in Virginia. Wow. It's like that other fellow. Who was the fellow, the, um, uh, the Penn State guy? He, uh, definitely, uh, Jerry Sandusky. He definitely ran a children's charity. That's how he got the pork, you know. In addition to being poor, you well, have that's, to be that's how, No, but that's how he got upon. people not to look his way when he was doing what he was doing. Because remember, he wasn't attacking small kids. He was attacking football players on his team. And yeah, but the them. but the small kids grow into Sandusky, slightly bigger no, kids. Sand, Sandusky was definitely molesting kids. Oh yeah, but I mean, he did a lot of the charity stuff to keep the eyes away from him, and he would do these other things where people would just they would never look at him because they didn't think right. They, but Sandusky yeah, but he was, was also recruiting. His, but he was using his charity to recruit oh, of course. kids who would turn into victims. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. I mean, if you can imagine the heartbreak, I, you know, if you're a poor kid and you finally get a, you know, you get a break, you get a shot, and then you find out. What could be sadder than finding out that you're only being sought after because of your genitalia, not your not your prowess, not your brains, not your skill sets, just because you're a boy or girl and somebody is creepy? It's horrible. 
it's heartbreaking, and then I, it must break the spirits of kids, you know. Uh, you know, it, it does, and so you have Breaks these the heart kids of anybody, for the rest. Really. You have these yeah. kids for the rest of their lives who are victims, and who yeah. never really stop being victims. Well, and they that's victimize not exactly other true. children. There's, there's, yeah, What's so exactly scary that. about that supposed pedophile ring is the fact that part of the scheme, as I say, is they did want to traumatize the kids, give them PTSD or something, and get them addicted to drugs so that they would not be credible witnesses. Who's going to trust Absolutely. this guy? He's been living under Absolutely. a bridge for the last, you know, who knows how many years shooting up. He's right, just, right. And, and he's talking about these politicians. Who's going to believe him? That's right. I was so I was so incredulous when uh, when I spoke to uh, Rodriguez about this. I not only didn't I believe it at first, I didn't even want to believe it. Right. Because well, I said that would mean that everything I believed in was wrong. I have no idea how Rodriguez was not suicided because every one of these uh, exposés that came out of the Washington Times, I mean that's not a a little newspaper in in podunk illinois you know that's that's a big time and he's writing these exposés that name names this is front page stuff absolutely he's writing writing article after article i I imagine it must have been making people the big one that i know that bill you don't want to say the names but you can find it on the internet the big front page story it said homosexual uh uh call boy ring something like that ensnares vips and they talked about what went on at the White House. And this was like Jeff Gannon before Jeff Gannon. Craig that's Spence, right. Craig Spence, that CIA asset, the supposed lobbyist, he was able to arrange late night White House tours. I mean, he was bringing in, who knows, kids, call boys, um, but they were not on the Secret Service logs. And, and w- once again, amazingly, somebody got their hands on those Secret Service logs and they found right, out. Right, but it yeah, did sure get enough. snuffed out. I mean, it literally, the story just died uh, an unnatural death, it seems like. Because sometimes you, if, as a reporter, and you hear something on the Twitter or the wires, however you hear a little tiny tidbit, you know sometimes when it's got legs. And I well, thought well, that Steve, one was going to have legs. I will leave you with, I will leave you with this. In one of the episodes of UFO Hunters, um, this guy – I'll make this really short. This guy had been standing off to the side of the dock. Um, this was out in Port Jefferson, Long Island. And he, he just was staying in my range of view when I was on camera and he motions to me, come over. And he tells me this unbelievable story. Make long story short, the point of the story well, where the guy was a CIA non-official cover officer, but the point of the story was that the CIA has so penetrated the media, so completely penetrated the media, he dropped some names to me. And he said, they're not in the CIA, but what they do is they will kill stories the CIA wanted killed in return for stories the CIA would plant with them, and that was the trade-off. And he said, if you think that the mainstream media is honest and, and, and direct and everything else, you're dead wrong. And I was, I was shocked at that. Well, look at the Snowden documents. They had to go to the, the Guardian for that to get any traction. He thought about sending uh, his information to the Times, uh, to Washington Post. Washington Post, by the way, is supposedly the darling of the CIA, but uh, the Guardian 
you know, was the only one that, that would really uh, go with it, apparently. Ben Bradley's sister-in-law was Mary Pinchot, who, who later married Cord Meyer, who was murdered one year, murdered in Georgetown one year after she was Kennedy's mistress, one year after Kennedy was killed. And when they went to Cord Meyer, who was suspected of being involved in the assassination, Cord Meyer said, Cord Meyer said the same people who killed her, the same bastards that killed Kennedy. So we went to her sister, Tony Pinchot, who was married to Ben Bradley. So it was Tony Bradley, and they were divorced. And James Jesus Angleton shows up in Mary Pinchot's Meyer's house, discovered by Tony and Ben when, they, when, her, when her sister had been killed. Bradley goes along, gives her private diary to James Angleton. Angleton gives it back, and Bradley burns it. So we ask Bradley. This was for the Dr. Feelgood book because she was, um, she was also a patient of uh, Dr. Feelgood. So, so we ask him, and, and uh, Tony had died at this point because we'd spoken to Tony, and Tony told us what was in that diary. It was not good. And um, we asked Bradley. Bradley said, you damn conspiracy guys, you make me sick. And so we say to him, wait, you broke the, you broke the whole, all the president's men thing. And he says, well, you're still conspiracy nuts. And he hangs up the phone. So yes, you're absolutely right. Well, listen guys, real quick. I actually can stay until 12. If Ah, you please, I knew that was happening. I beg you. I beg you. (laughs) Okay. How did you, how did you, I called it. I called it. How did you do it? I texted my buddy in the other room and I said, "Is there any chance you could stick around until 12? He said, "Yeah, sure." So I'm oh, talking Bill, Bill and Nancy. Sorry, Lasha. <laughs> lovely. Well, Lasha knows, and besides, I'm losing my confidence rapidly. I think you know maybe I'm foolish to think about making a show. You know, this is like a Mickey Rooney moment. Let's put on a show. I think I'm losing that moment. So we'll just. Well, let's not worry you know, about that now. You and we Lasha should take a break in a. Probably. We should take a break in a couple of minutes here and. Uh, and reconnect. Let's we take have a to break now. Yeah. We'll reconnect, come back uh, for the final half hour with our guest, Steve. Thank Boyle. you, Steve. This is so great. And this sorry, Lasha. Okay, so yeah. Everybody, thank you, Lasha, for hanging on. Everybody, uh, stay tuned for these messages. We'll be back with our guest, Steve Warner, after this. We are Bill and Nancy Burns on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Back after. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more.
Are you tired of being lied to by the government when it comes to aircrafts that are flying over the skies? Let's explore the mysteries together. Tune in every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 a.m. Eastern. When Project Moondust was first exposed, the Air Force explanation to a United States senator was that uh, we never had a project named Moondust. Behind the tree was this gigantic, huge glass dome. Skywatchers Radio. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. We cover everything from the known to the unknown, the normal to the paranormal, archaeologists to psychologists, and even UFOs. We tell what's coming, what's going, the government lies to the government thrives. We're late night in the Midlands, and we cover everything every Sunday night at 12 a.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific on the Dark Matter Radio Network. The UFO phenomenon, either we like it or not, is already very much part of our reality. I've been on panels with uh, military people who, you know, claim that they've seen the aliens buzzing our missile silos. They have very large eyes, and, you know, I found their stare extremely difficult to bear. This is Martin Willis, the host of Podcast UFO, and we are here on the Dark Matter Radio Network every Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is my commitment to bring you an entertaining weekly show that takes a hard look at the UFO phenomena. Are they extraterrestrial? Well, are they interdimensional? Are they time travelers or something we have not even thought of yet? We explore these questions with interesting guests and witnesses from all around the globe. In addition, we bring you weekly UFO news with Open Minds TV, Alejandro Rojas. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep your eyes to the sky. Hello, I'm Bruce Pearson, documentary producer, investigator, and co-host of Unknown Origins Radio, which airs each Thursday evening from 8 till 10 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Please join me and my colleague Mark Johnson for two hours of thought-provoking interviews discussing some of today's most intriguing subjects with researchers, authors, and eyewitnesses on a range of topics. So whether you're a newcomer to the community of exploration of the unexplained or a seasoned veteran and investigator, I'm sure you will find interesting content and content Concepts on Unknown Origins Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And I encourage you to check out the entire lineup of unique programming here on the network. There's truly something for everyone. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to sharing our fascinating guests and their topics on Unknown Origins Radio, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern here on the Dark Matter Radio Network.
Hi, we are back on Future Theater Live on the Dark Matter Radio Network with our guest, Steve Warner, uh, for this next half hour. And we've had such a great conversation uh, for the past hour. Uh, Steve just said, you know what, let's stick around and talk about some more stuff. So uh, throw it open to Steve here. We've talked about molestation. We've talked about serial killers. We've talked about some of these awful schemes. Talked about the say, Steve, what's on your agenda here? What do you want to talk about? Well, um, you may have had this happen to you uh, doing UFO shows where you have uh, a burning interest in it for a little while and then, you know, you get annoyed with uh, some of the nonsense that gets thrown at you because you know how much nonsense there is out there. So it, it can be frustrating. There's just so much noise out there. It's hard to find, you know, legitimate uh, uh, pieces of information, legitimate researchers for that matter. I have personally found that I there are three types of the UFO guests. You've got people who are outright cranks. You've got people who do the research, but they're they're doing bad research, you know, or they're they're gullible. They're just they they don't have it together, or they're a good researcher. But those tend to be the three. Oh, oh, or they're putting out disinformation, and I feel right, like I've right. had a couple of those on. It can be difficult sometimes to discern who's who. Um, but recently, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Recently, somebody who sort of rekindled my interest was Kevin Randall, who told me, yeah, good. That's where I was going. He told me about something called moon dust. Right. One big question I have always had, and it, it stumps everybody. I said, what happens if you have a UF, let's say there is this huge, you know, vast conspiracy to uh, cover up UFOs, and you've got uh, a, a protocol. How do you respond to every single situation that comes up? And I said, what happens if you have a UFO crash in some unfriendly nation? Let's say you've got a UFO that goes down in Iran. Let's say if you've got one uh, going down in North Korea, what do you do? God forbid it goes down in a populated area, too. Aside from the loss of life, number one. Number two, how in the hell do you cover that up? Well, I have never heard... a, a sufficient explanation for what would happen under those circumstances, and B, I've never seen any evidence uh, that there is a governmental response to something like that. Brookhaven. Uh, Brookhaven. Here's your response. Brookhaven, um, look at the UFO episode, Hunter's episode uh, from season three about a UFO crash in South Haven Park uh, out in Suffolk County. And the fire department that rolled on that crash came from Brookhaven National Laboratories. They totally cleaned up that whole site. And the person who was investigating it was a man known as John Ford, who was actually a conservative Republican. He was a court officer, but he was investigating this thing for L.I. uh, MUFA, for um, a Long Island UFO network. And he is now in a mental institution and he's not getting out because he was accused of trying to kill one of the uh, Suffolk County uh, uh, supervisors. He didn't, but that's what he was accused of. You he know, was compl- I, did, I did hear about this. Yeah, right. And that this was, was John Ford. Early nineties, right? Yeah this this was the uh, this was recent. But we the reason I mentioned no, okay, but we but interviewed people. The, uh, no, no, we we interviewed people. Is the people we spoke to were incredulous that when the thing went down, they 
physically with their own eyes saw Brookhaven fire apparatus Mm -hmm. in the park. And when we went to Brookhaven National Labs, the guy, um, Chuck LaSalle, who was the chief, said, absolutely, we never left this facility, showed me the log. With, where the, where, and I said, so we finally said, if you were told never to mention this, to deny it, would you tell me you can't talk about it or would you deny it? And he said, I would deny it if I were told to deny it. So I said, even if you went, he said, even if we went. We would deny it. So I spoke to this guy that I told you about who said absolutely they rolled on it and that Brookhaven National Labs was run out of um, SUNY Stony Brook, which is where the CIA literally started. I mean, it was there where uh, George Washington's uh, um, Culver spy ring first started. And um, he said that's the home of the CIA is Suffolk County. And he said so all that money to Brookhaven – intelligence money and i actually had meetings with this guy he said you know nobody's going to believe you anyway um with this guy and and this other person who was doing invisibility cloaking work for the cia had gotten millions to do this which i saw with, with my own eyes or didn't see with my own eyes at dugway proving ground but brookhaven is one example of that um and there are many many other examples i mean roswell was another example everybody saw this thing that rolled on it, the It crash. does seem as though the government is well prepared to kind of slide in like in a movie with blue berets and clean everything up. It just seems like that actually uh, in Bucks County, there was a, a UFO flap a few years ago and, you know, people just show up, it seems like. There was, a, yeah, See, just a couple of years ago, there was one, there was um, an, uh, um, a triangular series of orbs over Nishamani Creek, which is right near us. And with this one guy who was a, a music producer, nice guy, uh, lives in Philly, called in and said, ah, I'm looking at this. It's a craft. So the dispatcher at 911 says, oh, is that a UFO? He says, how did you know? She said, well, everybody's been calling in about this. So he says, well, what do I do? She says, well, you wait there because somebody is going to come get you. And he said, I'm not waiting here for somebody to come get me. I'm out of here. The next day, two guys in dark suit show up at his house he wasn't home his mother was there and says oh we'd like to talk to and they drop his name which i'm not going to drop they drop his name and she says well who who are you what do you mean want to talk to him who are you they say oh we're from the insurance company we want to talk about his policy so she says he doesn't have a policy that you guys are with i mean and, and this guy was so frightened um he said i'm, I'm not going to die over a ufo that's for sure but isn't that weird so yeah they yeah they do it, it's well, very, don't but, you both don't you both agree that if you had to stop reporting about this, if you really got scared, you would in fact walk away? Is that would that be the case for both of you guys, all three of you guys? Un, un, it would be for me. Unfortunately, yeah, the answer. Yeah, would, me too. I mean, yeah, of not course. me. If somebody mm-hmm. said to yeah, but yeah, but um, uh, if somebody said to you, you know, I saw your kids at school the other day. Boy, did they look happy. Don't have that's kids. The mes- that is, I know, but that's the message. You've got parents, right, Angel? That's the they're, message. They're old. That's what people do. Yeah, they're well, old people. that's the message. They, don't, is, they don't even have to kill you. I mean, they can destroy you a multitude of they other... They could hurt your CD collection. What, they t- what he told me was... That, at- Nancy, would be the straw that breaks the camel's back. He said to me, money solves everything. So that's the first thing they approach you with. We can get you out of a lot of trouble financially. Two is we can put you in a lot of trouble financially. 
Three is we can really hurt your family. And four is nobody will ever know where you went. That's the, uh, uh, that's the protocol. But when you mentioned moon dust just now, on the very famous Marilyn Monroe, do you know about the Marilyn Monroe threat to Bobby Kennedy, Steve? Mm, no. Marilyn Monroe, uh, a couple of days before she dies, calls the Justice Department. This is on, you, you could find this document on the Justice Department. She, she, she's, she's giving a message for Bobby Kennedy. And the message is, unless you call me back and stop screwing me off here, this is Monroe drunk, and stop screwing me off here, I am going to go to the public about my affair with your brother and you. Then I'm going to talk about the CIA's attempts to kill Fidel Castro, which he told me about. Then I'm going to talk about that secret air base in Nevada. Then I'm going to talk about those little guys you found in New Mexico or those little guys from outer space. You didn't say New Mexico. Well, her phone was uh, tapped by not only the FBI, but the CIA. The CIA prepares a transcript of this thing. And you'd say, uh, more disinformation. It's on the Internet. I don't believe it. At the bottom of that transcript are the file designations. One of the file designations is moon dust. Huh. And that's how I knew there was at least some fire for the smoke in this well, thing. Well, wasn't moon dust the thing at the end of Day After Roswell, that Project Moon Dust? Moon dust came into effect after Roswell. No, no, no. The, you know the, the, um, the base on the moon, what was that called? Horizon, maybe? Oh, no, no, that was Project, that was project uh, Horizon, right. But the, okay. the crazy thing is, uh, Moondust, Kevin Randall found that pouring over hundreds of thousands of pages of Blue Book files. And he said right. the fact that that – because what Moondust is, it's, it's basically sending out a response team to uh, get rid of an aircraft or some, uh, some foreign object that entered from space. I mean that's Correct. actual <laughs> – that's what it's, it's for. It's so the a retrieval. Is, it's a retrieval exactly, file. Exactly. Right. The other file is called Bluefly, and that's information about objects that fell from outer space. And that's the other file designation for the Marilyn Monroe uh, transcript. You, you know what's crazy that I found out about, too? And this ties into uh, what you would do if a UFO goes down somewhere. Let's say you can't truck it out of there for whatever reason. Ty Rogaway, who is an aviation journalist, because I asked him, uh, there's a whole bunch of construction that's going on out at Area 51 now. Massive construction project. Hangar. Huge hangar. A hangar that, I mean, you could fit a couple of 787s in there. It's just huge. So the speculation is... um, you know, some, some type of lighter than aircraft is, is going in there. Some Absolutely. Sort of There's a neutral platform. platform. No, there's a neutral. Yeah, well, there is a platform because we saw it over Nevada. Oh, we only uh, have three more minutes, guys. Three minutes. That went by really that fast. The, that was the episode, Steve, that was never aired because somebody got to Disney and said, you better not show this. We had video of a surveillance platform. That's one of the objects in that hangar. They were furious. This guy told me that we climbed up Tickaboo Peak with a 300-millimeter lens at sunrise and filmed that hangar. Oh, my God. Well, that was what, one of the episodes. 
what Rogaway told me, because uh, I asked what happens to some of these uh, projects that are developed, but they, for whatever reason, they're shelved. What do they do with the planes? And he said they bury them on site. Right. So right, I thought right. if you've got moon dust, a, a response team that's going to go out and, and, and do whatever they do with the UFO, whether they truck it out of there or if it's so big, wh- what the hell do they do with it? They would bury it on site. Hmm. Right. Or uh, in the case of some of the material, they wind up in um, a cryogenic chamber um, because we have cryogenic chambers to test the effects of deep, deep cold on military weapons because one of the wars we expect to fight is on the North Pole over oil. And this has been going on for a while. Well, we- depressing. When you mentioned things in uh, cryogenic storage, I just immediately flash back to that X-Files episode where Scully gets into that uh, top secret facility to get the, the little alien fetus to see. Right, right, right. And you, you know it's coming back, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Isn't that weird? Next it's, year. It's just, it's just so I wonder if it'll be nearly good. as good, you know? Well, it's a those, miniseries. Those... It's not a full 20 No, no, it's, oh, it's a miniseries. Yeah, besides, like six episodes or something like that. Since so much of what they got came from UFO magazine, you just really wonder oh, what. Please. Wow. It's true. I'll tell you this much. December of this year and January of next year is going to be like the best back-to-back months ever. Ever. Four. Because December of this year, we got the new Star Wars coming out. Oh, yeah, right. And then January of next year, X-Files returns. Heaven. <sighs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Heaven. She's, Heaven. She, she is fantastic on that show, The Fall. Jillian Anderson. Is she? Yeah. Oh, she, she's oh, also good. on. Uh, she's on Hannibal, also, by the mm-hmm. way. Yeah, well, she's very, very good. Phenomenal I mean, on Hannibal. Yeah. Huntley's got a new show coming out too, where he plays a uh, detective in the '60s investigating. Yeah, that looks really good. Yeah, yeah so. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. Well, yeah. we got to wrap up, everybody. So uh, we do. We do. So, thank you. Uh, I want to thank Steve Warner for spending the. Coming on the show, then spending the extra half hour with us was really a fun show. Lots of great, uh, lots of great conspiracy stuff. We must do this again sometime. Good luck on your show, Steve. Good luck on Dork City. And our guest next week is who? Jimmy. 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 Swagger. Superfly Snooker. Oh, James Swagger. Okay, great. He's next week. He's next week. I want to talk about Michael Tellinger next week. So he's going to be here next week. We are your co-host, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Good night, everybody. And we are saying good night from the banks of beautiful Primrose Creek in downtown Solberry Village, Pennsylvania, on Future Theater, on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. See you next week, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the summer weather. See you next week.